and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. All right, live from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland, it's the Steam Power Podcast, episode number 68 for June 21st, 2015. Happy Father's Day to the fellow dads out there. We are a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and the greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, and math news, as well as the maker movement. Steam power, the power to change the world. I'm Mike. There is no Lisa today. It's time to get steamy. All right. Uh, so we're trying to get back on schedule. It's summertime, and that is hard because kids are out of school. Things change. Schedules change. People aren't accustomed, and we're just really bad at keeping the schedule. But we're going to try. So I'm going to do it this week, catching up. We're a little late. Um, but uh, this is for the purposes to keep us on track because really in reality is I've got to do Gears of Resistance on this Sunday. Um, and then we'll be back on track, I think. All right. Um, what are we going to talk about this week? we got a couple of stories, a couple of cool stories. But I want to first start off with something I found at my local uh home improvement store. Uh, we have Lowe's down here. And I don't know why I have never seen this before. But if you go down the hardware aisle where they're like all the bolts and the screws and the nails and the door hinges and all that stuff, there is uh, little trays, kind of like what you see at Radio Shack, that have kind of neat components for things. And then I think one's actually labeled hobby supplies and stuff. Um, there's some electrical stuff. There's like little knife switches, which is cool. But what I really found interesting when I, I picked up a couple was some of these things from Hillman. Um, what are they? Well, they are little plates to do like prototyping with. So there's some little uh, nuts and bolts that go with this too. But the idea is, you can, um, you know, 3D printing is great for some things. Sometimes, um, though, you need something a little bit more, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, stronger. Um, or you just need something where you're kind of experimenting real quick and you want to just get some ideas for maybe a project box. There's some right angle ones, too, that let you obviously build a three-dimensional shape to actually hold something. But... um yeah, so I just found these. So I'm sorry I'm late to the game, but they are, uh, they're pretty cool, pretty handy, um, and not too expensive for, uh, again, if you've got, you know, you're trying to prototype something real quick, um, I suggest you, uh, you check those out. Like I said, down the hardware aisle, for us it's to the right, and it's a little pull, it's called like four or five rows of pull-out trays, and I think this one's called like Hobby. They're pretty well labeled, you'll find it. All right, um, so let me think, what else? That's it. Oh, it's um, Ham Radio Field Day is coming up this weekend. So I'm in the process of, I got this electronics communications box. Well, that, this is like the inner shell. It's like the tray that slides out. So I finally got around to permanently mounting my radio in there. Well, sort of, it's, it's zip-tied it down until I figure out really how I want it. But the nice thing is now... Um, I keep it here in the lab slash ham shack and, uh, now everything is permanently mounted. So the radio, the external mic, um, my signal analyzer, my tuner, all that's in there. 
And when I want to go, what I used to do, what if I wanted to go like the field day, I'd unscrew every every wire, unpower everything, unplug everything, put it in the box, take it with me, put it back together at the site. You can guess it. End of the day, take it all apart, bring it back house, put it together again. Um, now it's all stays in there. It stays all wired together. And I take that downstairs to uh, the the garage, put the external case, and I'll take some pictures and share it next time. Um, in the car, I slide this guy in, and I'm ready to go. And it saves me a lot of time, which is cool. Time is money and fun. For fame radio, it's fun. Well, it is money. You're spending money. You're not making money. But it is fun. So anyway, uh, this coming weekend, which I by my watch here should be the 26th, 27th, 28th, um, is ham radio field day. So there will be a bunch of ham radio people on the air. If you're looking to kind of, if you're, if you are ham, um, if you were trying to work all 50 states or every county in the, in the U S this is a great weekend to do that. Uh, your chances are really good that you'll get at least a lot of, uh, contacts in places you probably haven't gotten, uh, so far. And if you're not a ham and you're interested in ham radio, um, go to ARRL.org. Um, that is the American Radio Relay League. And they will have links um, and ways to search for uh, places in your community that are having field day. So there's usually a local ham radio club. Uh, and usually they're going to take like a, they're going to go to like a state park or a county park and they'll set up. Um, and the nice thing is they have what's called a go-to station, which is get on the air. So for anyone that does not have a ham radio license, it's an opportunity to uh, work with the ham, to get on the air, to just to see what it's like and see if it's something that you're interested in and if you want to pursue it um, before you actually go sit down and take a license test um, and then start the uh, procurement of electronics goods. Um so yeah, check that out this coming weekend. That'll be, it'll be fun. It's a good time. Hopefully it's going to work out for us down here in Southern Maryland. The weather is not looking good. Uh, we have thunderstorms like pretty much the entire weekend and, uh, uh, you know, setting up antennas in the thunderstorm, just, you know, not a good idea. Safety first. All right. How about we do some stories? All right, before we get started with the stories, I uh, should go ahead and thank our sponsor for the week, Audible.com. You can head over to audibletrial.com slash steampowerpodcast and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Basically, that'll get you one free um, one credit, which you can then use to purchase one uh, audiobook, um, and then it's yours. You can keep it if you decide not to stick with it. Uh, the book is yours forever and you can listen to it forever or until, you know, the sun consumes the planet and there is no more audible. Unless we have, maybe we'll have intergalactic audible by then. Maybe. I don't know. But maybe. Um, I just finished listening to Ed Catmull from Pixar, his book, um, uh, on innovation at Pixar. And it was pretty awesome. I should, uh, let's see if I can, I don't know if I can bring it back up here. Let's see here. There we go. Search Creativity Inc. 
overcoming the unforeseen forces that stand in the way of true inspiration. It was a really good book. Um, came in at 13 hours yet. It felt like it was like it, it went so fast that I just, I literally everywhere I drove, I listened to it. And, uh, sometimes when I went to a place that wasn't too far away, I purposefully got lost so I could uh, finish up a chapter. It was that good. It was a book on kind of like, um, it was kind of like project management, program management, leadership, um, in technically focused organizations as well as some, um, you know, there was a, there's a little talk about the technical side, but it was really meant to, you know, how do you lead an organization that has become so successful and mature and how do you continue to innovate and not get stuck in, um, what a lot of companies do, which is, you know, you've made a successful product. Now you've got to care and feed that product, uh, because it's making you money, but then you stop innovating and then eventually someone else comes and eats your lunch. Um, so yeah, it was a good book. There are, though, I think, what are they up to? 170,000, 150,000, 100 and some thousand. They got a lot of books. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of books. And it's for all tastes, too. It's not just uh, technology. There is, um, there's comedies. There is, um, uh, autobiographies. So my wife's listening to a lot of the autobiographies of people like, uh, Amy Poehler. Uh, I think she's, I think she's listening to Sarah Silverman now. I don't know. Um, there's basically fiction, nonfiction. I'm getting ready. I think I'm going to buy for my next credit. I'm going to listen to the Elon Musk book here. Um, we'll see. I I'm fascinated by the guy. Um, and there's, you know, Holly Madison down the rabbit hole. I mean, who's not a fan of, um, the girls next door. Right. So, you know, basically the point is we're all different. That's cool. And Audible's there to help you with that because they got books for all types. Uh, and we thank Audible for signing up. So again, uh, for sponsoring us. So anyway, audibletrial.com slash steampowerpodcast. Sign up for a free 30-day trial. Um, get one credit, which is basically one book. If you decide to stick around, it's like fourteen ninety five a month after that. And you get one credit a month. And then by being a member... Um, if you're watching this, you can see up here, you can buy extra credits and you get it at a discount. So if like, if you really, like it's summertime and you want to go, everyone's out on the road, uh, going to the beach, going to the mountains and you want something to listen to, um, and you're, that one credit is just not good enough for you. Uh, you can buy extras at a discount. I don't know if they give it to everybody, but we've seen it here, uh, in the last month or so. All right. Story time. New Google X wearable. Uh, could change how we understand human health. At least that's the claim. Uh, so we all know that wearables and Internet of Things is allegedly going to be the next big thing. Um, if not, at least it's going to be the next great big marketing thing, or it is right now. Um, but you know, I think there's, some, I think you know, there like any any new technology, there's the there is the flare in the pan, there's that flash of the pan. Um, but eventually you do get some technologies that stick around for a, with us. So this one is interesting. It's, it's not just a wearable that you'll go to Best Buy and purchase. It's actually, from what I understand, um, maybe something that you can only get prescribed to you by a doctor. Um, cause it's, it's meant to be something that's very accurate. It's going to, to really give, um, researchers very accurate data about the human body. 
um, in terms of things like, you know, blood pressure, uh, pulse. Um, I don't know what else they have planned. It, the, the, the article is a little vague on the details. Um, but they are trying, basically, they, Google, if you don't know, they have a life sciences division and they are trying to, um, they have a project called Baseline, which is basically trying to understand what is the fundamental baseline of biochemical, biological things about the human body, which I think is interesting because with my wife's, all her health issues, you know, you kind of realize that there's not a singular baseline. I mean, I guess maybe, you know, we're all different. We all are, everyone has a different, maybe there's an ideal baseline for the human based on things like perhaps maybe, um, you know, height, gender, weight. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. Um, you know, data would help, fun, you know, at any time you have data, um, that's, that's accurate and non-biased always helps. And, um, this will be cool. We'll see how that goes. Um, there's other an update since I last, uh, the 175 person study. Okay. So there's a, there's a pilot going on right now. Um, and the other interesting, I guess the part of the story is that what they're trying to do is a lot of medical research is based on studying people that already have a disease or illness. So they're saying that there's not actually a lot of data on healthy people. Um, and so this kind of project is, is trying to get, you know, again, that's the baseline aspect of it. If you're an average, normal, healthy person, what does the human body look like from all the, the signals um, that we can generate with our, with, you know, all the, the internal machinations of our body. That's cool. Uh, let's see here. Let's switch, jump over to another bio. Uh, let's see here. Is this it? Yeah. The neural lace. Uh, so it's what it is. It's a very thin, um, me- uh, uh, you know, electronic, electrical conductive, uh, lace, kind of like a mesh that you can actually get inserted into your brain and, um, then controlled through a computer with a wire connecting it. Although they do say that they're going to hopefully eventually have a wireless version of this. Uh, and they have been do- inserting it into rats or mice thus far. Um, they're calling it, it's, they're calling it syringe injectable electronics, which if that doesn't sound awesome, I don't know what it is. Um, and there's things where, you know, right now they're looking at monitoring things, part of the brain activity. Um, and there's also potential for it to deliver treatments. So for degenerative dis- uh, disorders such as Parkinson's and even potentially, they think, uh, enhancing our natural brain capabilities. Cause what actually happens is the actual mesh, um, you know, as your brain grows, changes, adds memories, uh, the mesh comes embedded. Uh, it grows into the brain, so really you become, I guess, cyborg-ish, maybe? Um, it becomes basically a part of, uh, the, you know, it, they, the way they describe it is it becomes an electrical or a mechanical component to the biochemical system. Um, I've somewhere where it's, they talk about, um, you know, exactly how they, how does the mesh, 
um, work. And it's, I guess, kind of like, because the neurons, it's all an electrical system anyway, by inducing an external current that you're controlling from, you know, again, the computer or whatever, that you can cause the then the neurons, other parts of the brain to, I guess, release chemicals or, or change things. Um, that you, you know, otherwise couldn't control consciously just by thinking really hard. Um, so it's cool. Um, you know, I think, again, this is one of those things where I'm sure there's people that come down on both sides, pros and cons. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, if this does have a potential to help, um, you know, do great things to help people's lives, like such people that are suffering from diseases, or I don't know if there's any way, I mean, you know, this, if this could be, you know, injected other places and help reconstitute, um, you know, people with, uh, uh, that are, you know, paraplegic or quadriplegic, uh, I, that, you know, to me always outweighs the, the, I would say sensationalist versions of, you know, creating cyborgs that kill us all and all that kind of, I don't want to say nonsense, but, you know, history has shown that while humans, you know, we're still around, we, we, we're still kicking. We've done a lot of messed up things, uh, in the centuries and the millennia we've been around, but, um, we seem to course correct pretty well. And, um, you know, technology for, you know, all the negatives that we've had with it, uh, you know, again, we're still here and things, in my opinion, are getting better. You know, I know I can't imagine if I was to live two, 300 years ago, I don't know what I would do with my life being an electrical guy, electronics guy. So anyway, my two cents, um, they are looking to do uh human trial sometime in the next few years. So, yeah, don't don't race off yet. You're not going to be able to get this injected into your brain quite yet. <coughs> All right. Uh, we may have dramatically misunderstood the shapes of black holes. This is a story that comes to us um, from a researcher. Let's see here. Um, maybe I pulled up the wrong article. I was reading a different article earlier on this. But again, all the, if you're listening to this audio, all the links, um, so you don't have to take my word for it, are going to be on the website afterwards, and you can then go explore. But um, <clears throat> this story basically, you know, there's a lot of theories on things like black holes, quantum mechanics. A lot of the stuff is not uh, proven beyond, you know, mathematical equations that kind of work out. Black holes are one of those that mm, there is still some, I guess, wiggle room in um, <clears throat> you, when you try to uh, kind of find a uh, – what's the word? The common factor or the or – the, you know, there's a difference between the quantum world, the really small, the really fast, and the macro world that we all <clears throat> kind of live in. So general relativity, quantum mechanics, um, how do these worlds come together, gravity – so anyway, there is, um, you know, in the traditional way we've all been educated on what a black hole is, you know, there's this, um, a star collapses, creates this infinitely dense point. Uh, 
Um, so much so that, you know, it creates this thing called a black hole that not even light can escape. Um, there is also a point called the event horizon or a plane, I guess, which, um, basically is what we would see, you know, that's, that's the entry point into the black hole beyond that. We don't know what we're saying in this story is well, maybe that's not quite right. <clears throat> maybe there is actually, maybe there is no real event horizon and maybe actually there is no singularity point, <clears throat> which would help again, when you do the math, you know, we, we don't like things like infinities coming out in our formulas because, you know, though conceptually it's there, it's not the real way we see the world. Um, <clears throat> so there's this kind of what's, like, uh, they call it a fuzzball. And it's basically, uh, kind of brings in this, the idea of string theory, which is the idea that all, all matter in our universe, when you get down to it, the really, really tiniest part, it's not, there's actually no matter. It's these tiny vibrating strings of energy <clears throat> and how they vibrate is what gives constitute to the different materials, different, um, atoms, different, uh, um, chemicals, the different, uh, forces, you know, the weak force, the nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, uh, gravity, uh, electromagnetic, <clears throat> That all these forces give rise from this, these little strings of energy. That's a theory. Um, this, this theory on black holes kind of marries that together and says, Hey, look, it really works with all the math. Um, and therefore, you know, and it's, it's a little bit more realistic that there's not this, um, you know, singular point of, of, you know, no dimension, but infinite density. Um, which is like kind of the, the argument is like, it's a paradox. Well, how can that really be? You know, we need something that's actually, yes, it mathematically works out, but is that really how it works in the, in the, in the true universe? So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is not like we've, we've done some other stories here lately where there's like, you know, there is no such thing as black holes. Um, this is kind of saying, you know, there's, there's these, there are these weird things, um, but it may not be as weird as the singularity with an event horizon. It may be something that looks like a, you know, a really, a dark star, um, with a, you know, a lot of density that, that curves space time, but it's not necessarily as, as weird, um, as we thought. Who knows? It's a theory until we get out there and really find one, which I don't know if we really want to do that. Uh, we won't know, but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the awesome part of science is that just to me, it's amazing that the human mind can comprehend these things, um, that are, uh, that make up our, our universe. And I think that's really just awesome. Uh, okay. Let's do some, let's get, let's not, well, maybe let's, let's switch over. Let, let's keep, let's keep with the space and quantum real quick. <clears throat> and then we'll get to two lighter stories to end it up on a happier note. So, um, we all know a couple, it's a couple of years ago now, uh, the large Haldron Collider. They were doing an experiment. We sent out some neutrinos through the planet's surface and there was like, Hey, look, man, these neutrinos are going faster than the speed of light. <laughs> Take that, Einstein. Um, and come to find out, I think it was like a loose connection in some wiring or something with the GPS signal. Um, and yeah, no, actually, it, no, it, that was wrong. The, the neutrinos did not break the speed of light barrier. Sound 
little speed bump, speed something other. Yeah. Anyway, what they have found though is that the neutrinos did what they're saying here in the are the article headlines. They shape shifted. Realize they they changed from one type of um, <clears throat> neutrino into a oops let me get that out of the way uh, another so there's without because I'm not again not I'm definitely not a quantum physicist in the slightest um, I am a hobbyist an enthusiast if anything but basically um, they shot out what's a what's called muon type neutrinos and when they reached the end point on the other side they had turned into tau type neutrinos um, so and they did again. They did not exceed the speed of light, but it shows that the fundamental particles that, that we think make up everything have this seems like spooky ability to um, change themselves. Um, the article does not talk or go into what the theory is as to why that changed. Um, maybe we'll do some more digging on that and figure that out. But I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so let's uh, let's get a little bit less uh, super uber nerdy, and let's get uh, let's get a little bit um, more fun. So here is a group out of, I believe it's Australia. Yeah, the University of Wollongong. Wollongong. That's just awesome. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at some mathematical models that describe how certain wind instruments produce their notes. Uh, and then they said, "Hey, why do we, why do we stop with the instruments we already have? Why don't we now take these math models and um, kind of mess with them a little bit and 3D print some instruments that make notes that you couldn't make given the traditional construction techniques of um, musical instruments? In this case, a flute." To me, it looks like a recorder that we all used in elementary school. Um, but um, basically, they messed around with uh, the, the guts, the insides, the shapes uh, of, of a flute or a recorder and were able to um, you know, create an instrument uh, that notes... Uh, Again, couldn't be made on a traditional uh, flute uh, because of the way we construct it. It was only way by by doing this additive manufacturing of of layers, um, they were able to do that. So that's pretty cool. That's to me this the beautiful representation of blending art and science and math and creating something new and wonderful that you now people then go off and create more art, which inspires more technical technology science that just keeps this reinforcing. It's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like art and science is like, you know, with the radio waves, there's the electric field, there's the magnetic field, and the two reinforce each other as it prop the wave propagates through space. That's just, okay, I'm getting nerdy again. But I do think that there is this beautiful... um relation between art and the sciences that they can reinforce each other. And this just shows an example of that. So kudos to the folks at uh university of Wollongong. Not only do you have an awesome university name, uh, you're creating cool, magical 
musical instruments. All right. And last story, Elon Musk. Yeah, I know. I'm a fanboy, and I admit it. It's fine. Um, so we talked about here a couple months ago, probably, he unveiled this idea for a Hyperloop, uh, basically a new mode of transportation that is basically a big tube that sucks all the air out, uh, levitates with electromagnetic thingamabobbers, and can shoot... Um, these little pods at really, really crazy breakneck speeds to help, again, revolutionize, um, transport, at least of people. Um, and, you know, people said, well, okay, yeah, but is he really serious about this or is this just, you know, again, those pie in the sky? Well, um, through his company SpaceX, they are announcing a student Hyperloop pod race competition. Um, so from this story, it, it seems like SpaceX is actually going to build a Hyperloop track. I'm guessing it's probably down in Texas. That's where they're doing all their stuff right now. Um, and then they're going to invite, I'm assuming universities to, um, build a pod that then will be raced in some sort of loop. The, again, the Hyperloop, um, and oh, it was a te- the Hawthorne, California test track. So they're doing this out in California. My bad. Um, but that's cool. So, you know, you can argue still, is he really serious about this? You know, it's one thing to do closed, you know, testing. Um, I think it is partly trying to, you know, get interest generated, prove that the technology can work. So... And again, he's he's the kind of guy that what I admire is that you know like why do we have to wait five, ten, twenty, fifty years to do any of this great stuff? Why can't we we live today? Let's make great stuff today. Um. So, anyway, if you're interested, uh, teams will have until September fifteenth to uh, to submit their intent to compete, and then they need to f- submit their final designs by December fifteenth. So it seems like the Fall 2015 semester at universities is going to be awesome for uh, students. I'm guessing really especially like, you know, mechanical engineering majors who this is probably right up their alley. So check it out. It's in, it's uh, SpaceX is sponsoring it and you've got uh, basically three months to uh, make a decision whether or not you're going to do this. And then you've got till December to actually uh, submit your designs. And it doesn't say when, um, when they're actually going to uh, have the competition. It does say that once the final designs are submitted, they're going to host a um, design review weekend at Texas A&M sometime in January of 2016 um, so that SpaceX engineers can help with uh, the pod designs. So, pod racer. It's like Star Wars come real. Sort of, except with a tube. Tube wars. Hmm. I wonder how we're going to explain how this, because now the series of tubes actually does work. So, not for the internet, but for Hyperloop, it is a series of tubes. Eh, who would have thought? Anyway, that's our stories for the week. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you all very much for watching, listening, and whatever else you do. If you want to check out the show notes, you can head over to steampowerpodcast.com 
from there, there's also the links to everything else we do, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Google Pluses. And uh, for Gears of Resistance, um, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know yet, but we'll figure it out by Sunday. Um, and we'll go from there. So with that, thank you all very, very much for listening. And uh, I guess until next time, keep it quirky, stay quirky, stay quirky, keep it steamy. I'm going to get this one day. Thank you all very much for watching. See you next time.